right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fastest growing podcast in the history of the known universe. And uh, Thursdays are always my favorite day because uh, as much fun as we have when somebody else is on, it's the legendary A.J. Hoffman. And uh, always, uh, I think the people like it. I know we like it. So hopefully uh, uh, you guys will enjoy today's show. Lots of cool stuff to get to, lots of sports, uh, lots of non-sport. Uh, first off, though, we are at the Phoenix on Westheimer today. So if you're out and about, come on by and uh, hang out. Great food. They have my favorite special uh, uh, that they ever have here. It's uh, a cottage pie, which is really a shepherd's pie. Amazing. So I'm going to get one of those and take it home for dinner tonight. So nice. at the Phoenix. And a uh, big deal on Saturday uh, to let you know that the Friends of the Phoenix, which is a nonprofit organization that have uh, done some things in the past with, they're going to have a fried rice cook-off and Lunar New Year celebration. I am going to be one of the fried rice judges. How is that? Ooh, and, now that's a gig I could get behind right there. Yeah, baby. yeah. And so it'll be at uh, West Alabama Ice House. It goes from nice. uh, 12, 12 to 5 on Saturday. I'll be there about 3 and then uh, get some judging done. And then, um, you know, hopefully uh, enjoy the festivities a little bit. So uh, welcome in Chuck. Welcome in Zed. And most of all, welcome in AJ. What's going on, brother? Same old stuff, brother. Just uh, living the dream out here. It's actually raining today, which is odd. Wow. Um, not something that happens very often, but it is It is happening now. So I, I, I don't complain when it rains, but it's like, you know, it's it's uh, it certainly changes the way you look at the place. Well, is it like California where every time it rains, people are scared to drive because they don't know? Oh, how yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> hell, it's kind of like that in Houston, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's... Well, God not, forbid it snows there. Oh, yeah. And we, we had a freeze and everybody's just panicking and there wasn't any rain. So it was just cold. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and the whole city is just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And we, oh, come on, guys. Uh, but uh, yeah. It, it, well, here, though, it's just that they're bad drivers. They, they can't yeah. drive when it's not raining. So uh, and we do get some pretty good downpours where it's hard for old people to see, which is why I don't drive much anymore. Uh, although I got glasses now, I should be able to see. Uh, all right, so uh, I, I had yet another near-death experience this week. Like, I, there's always something every week now. So I've been having trouble sleeping. So a friend of mine loaned me uh, some sleeping pills, and so I took them, and they worked. I mean, I was out, and um, I crawl out of bed, and usually Kira sleeps right underneath the bed, right underneath me. Okay. And, and that's where she was, and so she always waits till I get up. And then she comes out. Well, I, I, I must have spooked her. She comes out the second I do. And I get my legs tangled with her. And bam, down we go. Oh. Uh, landed on my left side first. And I, I hit my head. And then I was out for about 30 minutes. And what? Yeah. I mean, just flat out. And I finally managed to uh, crawl over to my phone and, and get my neighbor to come over and help me out. And... I mean, I was I was fine, but I like I couldn't remember anything. I, he he said we were talking about UHUT basketball, and I was saying what a better coach Guy Lewis was than Abe Lemons and stuff like that. <laughs> I, it was just crazy. I wish he'd recorded it because it was pretty funny. But uh, but you know, and then yesterday was you know you, you know how concussions are. Yesterday was nausea day, and then today I'm I'm fine and and my mind's working again, and I don't I don't feel like a total idiot, just the idiot that I usually am. So. And Jeez. I, I did have, I did have some thoughts yesterday that maybe, maybe it's time to get this dog to a family that can handle her. Uh, that maybe I just can't do it, but I, I can't let go of the damn dog. 
yeah, it's just that she means too much to me. She's all I got, man. I got yeah. you. I, I got you in the podcast and the dog. That's it. So uh, I'm going to tell you something, and this is not a fun thing to hear. You need a small dog, Fred. I know. You need a, and I know, like, there's something to having a big dog, and people like, I have a big dog. I also have a small dog, though, and. I don't like, I mean, I hate to make it sound like you're elderly, but I guess I did it every day that we work together. So I might as well, like you're not a, you're not capable anymore of handling, especially a dog that's not particularly well-trained, uh, that's big and strong. Like you need, um, you need a, I mean, you don't need a chihuahua, but you need some nah. sort of like a, uh, like a, a, mini, a mini pincher or something. Yeah. Or like that, like I, that, I got a Corgi. It's like, 25 pounds and it's you know totally manageable even for old people i, I think having a husky probably not the best time not the best time in your life to have a dog like that is all i'm saying yeah i know i just couldn't say no when when i rescued I her and listen it's you know i'm just getting over the the neck thing the point where i was out running a mile three days a week and that's not much but it was a start and this happens, and I'm like, my my body's still so sore. I'm gonna have to wait until the weekend and try again. But, uh, I, yeah, I I gave that a lot of thought, and it's not an easy decision. So I'm not making it right now, but uh, I'm definitely considering it. But also consider what's best for the dog, because those huskies are not built for you know an apartment or a small like you know a small place. They, they need room to run. They need to uh, they need to be exercised a shit ton, like. I don't know. I mean, well, I mean, we, think about yeah, well, we do have, uh, you know, my landlord's backyard, and he's out of town a lot. And when he's out of town, he doesn't have his dogs, and she runs around back there. And then my neighbor has two dogs, and he was taking care of me the last two, or her the last two days. She runs around and plays with them, so she gets out a lot. But it's still, you know, that I mean, it just it's one of those things. It just something freaked her out when I got out of bed, and yeah. I I don't know what it was. It, you know, probably she thought, oh no, not this guy again. But um. But yeah, so it was. Uh, I, I wish you could have heard some of the conversation because apparently it was pretty funny. Uh, you know, and uh, and, I could, and like I couldn't remember my brother's names or anything like that for about an hour. And that happened to me one time when I ate too many edibles. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather it have been edibles, you know. But uh, uh, yeah, and I, I don't have problems with them anymore because I've really learned to just really do a small dose. And it, you can add a little later, but don't, you know, don't try the whole edible. Otherwise, yeah, the one thing that, that happens to me is I start getting this thing where I feel like I can't breathe if I, if mm -hmm. I overdo the edible. I don't know if you ever have that, but that, that's when you get paranoid because you can't breathe. Yeah, I've not had that, but I have had like where I, I generally am bad at um, like limiting how much I take at one time. I'm the guy who like. I take some and then I'm like, this isn't enough. I don't feel anything or I just barely feel it. And then I eat the rest and then it's like, oh, fuck. Now I'm uh, I'm made of couch. It's I'll never uh, I'll never forget the coyote story. Yeah, I mean, that's that's probably the worst uh, or the, the biggest example of when I've uh, overdosed on edibles. I, I don't know that I've ever taken just the right amount of edibles. I'll say that. <laughs> I, I, I've either taken not nearly enough or way, way too much. There's no, there's no sweet spot for me yet. I don't know. I've, I've yet to master that. Uh, Fleece says, future show idea, whack Fred upside the head just prior to starting a podcast and we get an entire show of concussed Fred. <laughs> I, I really wish I had recorded it the other night, but I wasn't thinking clearly enough to even do that. You know, I was just, uh, it, it, it's funny 
because you know my friend's a big UH guy and he was asking me what I thought of the UH game the night before and that's it's like yeah, guy V out coached Dave Lemons. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he's like, uh, you know Guy V's dead, right? <laughs> like, uh okay. What? What the hell are you talking about? Oh, uh, well let's uh let's start with a little college basketball because uh Saturday may have like the best three game slate we've seen in a long time, uh as far as top teams facing off. You had Duke North Carolina and Kansas UH. And um yeah, it, that UH Texas game. It just goes to what you've been talking about with how tough road trips are in the Big 12. I mean, uh, that's the first time that UH has given up 70 points all season. Now, I had to go overtime. Yeah. But I thought Texas played really well and uh, could have gone either way. Yeah, I mean, it was it, it was a tight game. And those are the games where I've said, like, there's no shame in, in losing those games if you do. But if you win them, obviously, it's a, it's a, it's a, a nice prize. But – that was a game like you're right. It could have gone either way. And I, I don't think it would have been much of a knock either way had, had Houston lost that game. But I do have real Texas. Like I, I just don't I'm not sure that they're very good, which I guess if there's anything to worry about, it's the fact that, that Houston was in such a dogfight with them because I, I just I, I don't like I don't know if this is a tournament team, which is pretty wild. Um, and it's not that they don't have talent, they've got plenty of talent. I don't think they're very well coached. And I think they made a mistake last year when they when they hired Rodney Terry for the long term. I don't think he's a long term solution. I think that job is big for him. And um, yeah, it wouldn't shock me to see Texas go back. Like it felt like they were finally crawling out of uh, out of like obscurity and to becoming a relevant basketball program again. And now it just feels like they're just like a, a, a bottom, you know, they're certainly a bottom half of the Big 12, which, I mean, the Big 12 is good. So it's not like there's there's shame in being in the bottom half of it, but uh, they're not a, a Big 12 contender, which is what, I mean, if you'd said that two years ago when Chris Beard was here and it looked like the program was really like about to take off, like if you'd said that in two years, Texas was going to be a bottom half of the Big 12 program, I would have said, man, something disastrous has happened. And I guess... It, it, it did, and it, what what Chris Beard did last year, or did allegedly did, um, set this program back significantly. And like he, it's it's a credit to him because you look at him, what he's doing at Ole Miss now, and he has a, a crew there that's not nearly as talented as Texas, and they're overperforming. Um, but it, so it's a, a you know it speaks to how good of a coach he is. But it, it, this team is just not. It's not it. I'll say that. Uh, the expect whatever expectations people had of them preseason were too high. This is a, a middle of the road team, and like I said, I, I'm not certain they're going to be a tournament team. Yeah, I, I, I think it's pretty disappointing because uh, um, they really, and again, I, I think they played well the other night, and they've had some games where they played well, but they're just not consistent enough. I don't think they're as well prepared as they were when Beard was there, and. They don't. They don't adjust quite as well. They do have enough talent to win some games just on raw talent, and they almost pulled that off. But you know, as far as as, as Houston's concerned, uh, the thing that encourages me about them, and and you know, I've said all along, you've said this. That the two things that worry me is they go through stretches where they can't hit shots, and uh, they're not the greatest free throw team in the world. And then the uh, uh, I worry about the bigs. Although I'll say this. Tugler is really turning into a force on He's the inside. Nice. And I think he'll just keep getting better. The kid's 18 years old. And uh, 
you, know, he, you could just see the light coming on each week. And, you know, he doesn't, you don't look at his numbers and say, wow, he had 10 points and 12 rebounds, but man, he's around the ball. He tips the ball. Uh, he, he gets, uh, he, he, you know, he'll go dive for loose balls now. I mean, he's really playing uh, at, a, at a decent quality level that I think will only get better, and that's going to help this team. But the other the other observation I would just have on them is the two losses. Uh, we talked about how tough the, the, the road is in the Big 12. They were both on the road. TCU uh, hit a lucky shot at the end to beat them. Iowa State is what won 18 in a row there. Yeah, And they, they had chances to win both those games. And I don't see anybody else in the conference – that has been in that situation in their losses. I mean, even Kansas uh, has had a couple games where it's like, okay, you were close, but then you lost by 10. Um, yeah. And so I think that's encouraging for UH. And I think they're, it's really benefiting them to play this kind of schedule. And the, one of the few things that, uh, and you know, I hate the commentators, but one dude had a really good point. He goes, listen, every, every game is Memphis for Houston now. It's not like when they were in the AAC. Yeah, the, the one exception I'd say to what you were talking about, the Big 12, is I, I'd say Baylor has been in sort of the, the same category. And they, yeah. they've lost three games in conference, but one was overtime to Kansas State. One was that two-point loss to Texas uh, at Texas. And then they lost in triple overtime against TCU. So, they, I mean, they've yeah. at least been in every game. But, yeah, I, what, I've, what I've learned over the last couple of weeks, and, I, and this isn't to say that the Big 12 isn't the best conference. It is, but by far the best conference it's the best it's the deepest it's you know it, it's it's everything but i don't know that it's as uh it, like that the teams at the top are as elite as we maybe thought coming into the season they would be um uh, like kansas for example is like kansas is i think they're good but i like they're probably the most reliant on two guys of any team i've ever seen it's like Kevin McCullough, Hunter Dickens. Kevin, Kevin McCullough is probably the best two-way player in the country, not just the Big 12, like in the country. Hunter Dickinson is in the – I mean, Zach Eady exists, but if he didn't, he'd be probably the best big man in the country. The rest of their team is kind of shitty, and it's it's wild to think that Kansas doesn't have any depth, but, like, none of those guys are really playing up to a level that makes you think that this team is going to be – and I think as the season goes on, they're, they're going to run out of steam. Like, it, it – it wouldn't shock me at all if, if they if they ran out of steam. Uh, they just don't they don't play enough they don't play enough bench minutes and those two guys just are always on the floor. They're going to wear down as the season goes on. And if you if you factor in um, like Dewan Harris and KJ Adams, those four guys, Dewan Harris, KJ Adams, Kevin McCullough, Hunter Dickinson, all play more than eighty percent of the minutes that Kansas basketball has played this year, which is just crazy to think about. Uh, but it's not sustainable, especially when you talk about, you know, playing in a tournament setting, like playing a full through a full Big 12 tournament and then following that up directly with an NCAA tournament. It's just hard to, to keep up with stuff like that. So I, I don't think Kansas is as good as as we thought they were going to be. Uh, I, I'm not sure Baylor's as good as we thought they were going to be defensively. They've got some real questions, which is kind of it sounds weird, uh, but they, they're not as they're not as solid defensively as they've been. And it, their their shooting has been off and on. Um, you know, we, we, like you go, go through every team in the big 12 and there's big warts on kind of all of them. I mean, Houston is, is probably, I still think they're the best team in the conference, but I mean, you, you mentioned it, like it, they, they don't really have a lot of paths to offense other than making sure they get extra possessions, which means not turning the ball over 
and offensive rebounding like madmen, but they're not good shooters. Um, they, they, they play slow. So obviously their defense allows their offense to not be phenomenal. But the other thing that worries me about them is they're a really bad free throw shooting team. And when you start playing these close games, and like you mentioned, the, the two losses were both close losses. Free throws can can be the deciding factor in games like that. And, it, and if you think back to uh, to like the Iowa State game, I think they left a couple points on the board or on the board late on the at the free throw line, left a couple points there that they could have had. And and like you start missing these free throws in in key situations, and man, it can it can cost you a game, particularly in this conference where there's no off nights. It's it's a grind. The, this game is a, a fascinating test for Houston because it, they're going to be favored uh, on the road, which is wild to think that Kansas is going to be a home dog. Um, but that's, that's where we're at right now. And, and, you know, Kansas is sitting at 17 and four and somehow they're like a disappointment this season. So, uh, this is going to be a unique test for, for Houston. I tend to want to back Kansas as a home dog. I, I just think anytime you're trying to play against that fog whistle, especially knowing that Kansas is going to be getting points, it's hard to, uh, Houston to score on the interior and that means somebody's gonna have to make shots for that team on the road that worries me some so I, th- I think Houston this this and again it doesn't losing in the big 12 on the road doesn't mean doesn't mean you're a bad team like it, it and it doesn't mean that like oh all hope is lost or you can't compete with these teams it just means it's it's really hard to make these road trips and yeah, I think what you said is the most accurate. It's every game is Memphis now, and in fact, most games are bigger than Memphis. Yeah, like going in, going into Memphis, and then going into Fog Allen. Like, yeah. any Houston fan who made the Memphis trip and then make this trip, you call me and let me know. I've been in both arenas. <laughs> yeah, you call me and let me know. It ain't close, Bubba. Uh, so this is, this is a real test for this program, but I mean, obviously one, what they, what they do have is a coach who's used to it. The coach who's been there and done it, who's made these trips. And I'm sure I, I think Kelvin's one of the best coaches in the country. I think he's going to have them prepared for this. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm excited to see it, but, um, yeah, getting back to what you're saying about the top of the big 12. And, and by the way, uh, Rogelio is in the house. He, he Orale, cabron. In the house, uh, but yeah, I, I, uh, I, I think that I see a lot of Final Four teams. I don't know if I see a national champion in this group. And especially when I, now, of course, we know Purdue can choke in the tournament, but I watch sure. teams like Purdue. Uh, I, I watch Arizona, and they just, and, and it's hard to tell because they're not playing against the same quality uh, all the time. They're playing some good teams, but I, I just, I, I guess I, I, I see the ceiling as Final Four for really Houston, Baylor, Kansas. You know, maybe one of these other teams makes a surprise run. Yeah, I, I don't know that I totally agree with that because I don't think that there is a juggernaut in the country, period. I mean, you mentioned Purdue, and we know they've – I mean, listen, if, if there's anything that we know about Matt Painter, it's that he is a shitty tournament coach. Um Arizona's had, I mean, Arizona's had real, like Arizona's lost to Oregon State. They lost to Stanford. They they lost to Washington State. Arizona's not allowed to play every game at home. Like, it'd be nice if yeah. they were, but they're not allowed to. 
if I said there's one team that kind of sticks out above the rest as a team that I trust right now, it's UConn. Yeah. But I don't, I don't totally, I mean, I know Dan Hurley's now won a national title, so it's hard to, to say anything, but I, I don't know that he's like a coach that I totally trust in, in a tournament setting either. Um, and we've also seen Donovan Kling and it, like, if they don't have him, I, I, I've got no interest in backing UConn in a tournament setting. I, I just think he's so valuable. Um, but they're, they're also counting a lot on, uh, Stefan Castle, a freshman. And anytime like you're, you're counting big time on a freshman as like one of your key offensive pieces that worries me a little bit. Um, but I, I, I think if I had to pick like there, who's the best team in the country, put a gun to my head right now, I'd say UConn. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know that they're like above and beyond everybody else either. So like, if you said Houston and UConn, were going to play a seven game series. I'd say it's probably going to be four, three. So I, I think that there's a lot of teams that have a chance. This is a, a good year for parity. Um, you know, it, it's not like the, Remember the year when when Zion was just dominating and every like everybody's yeah. bracket said Duke is going to win the national championship and and I've said I, you have to you have to pick someone in your bracket that's not Duke and I picked Virginia and they won and I won every bracket pool I was in because I picked Virginia to win the national title that year. I remember that. But this is one of those years where I, I doubt that there I doubt there's a team that has twenty percent like when you look at ESPN's brackets at the end of the year. I doubt there's a team with 20% of the people saying this is my national champion because I think there's probably about 12, 15 teams that like it wouldn't totally shock me if they won it. So I think that's a good thing for college basketball. Uh, and it's certainly a good thing for programs like Houston um, who are, are kind of new to the party. And you're seeing some of the some of the programs that have historically been in that conversation year in, year out who are kind of shaky right now. Villanova is probably not making the tournament. Villanova is yeah. not good. Um, I I don't know what Gonzaga is, but I don't think Gonzaga is a national title contender. So there's 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 play, there's gaps for teams to fill in. Um, you know, there's going to be a team like Florida Atlantic or San Diego State. I don't know that's going to be those teams in particular, but that type of team, I, I'm almost certain we're going to have a, a, a mid-major program or a high-major or not. Not a power five program, I guess is I don't know how you call them, but not a mid-major program. I, I think you're going to have one of those teams in the final four, almost certainly. I don't know if there'll be two again, but I think almost certainly there's at least one. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm with you on Kansas. I'm probably probably going to make a play there. Like we said, home dog has paid me off well here in the Big Twelve, and um, and I've, I've been pretty spot on with UH, and especially in these home games against decent teams that you know come in there and get blown out by 35 points and so home teams in the big 12 this year fred are 29 and 23 ats like in big 12 head to head 35 and 17 straight up so that's like you said home favorite or like home dogs it's hard for me to pass on like those yeah. those are the teams that i mean it's it's almost a gift i mean i'm not saying it's like there's there's no locks but man it's it's hard to pass up on kansas with a plus next to their name in fog yeah. Um, okay. So before before we get to the football, just a couple other things on basketball I wanted to hit you up on. I was mentioning three really good games Saturday: uh, Duke, North Carolina, and uh, Tennessee, Kentucky. And you know, I look at Tennessee and Kentucky, and I kind of see them as teams that sort of like I see the good Big Twelve teams. It's like, eh, maybe, you know. Yeah, Tennessee. Uh, I, I would have certainly put in that conversation. They this week they lost at home to South Carolina. And they don't lose at home. So that really kind of threw me for a loop. 
Um, generally, I like this this Tennessee team. I, I think that, uh, I, like, you, if you look at their record, you're going to see that I think they've, they've lost five games. I don't know how many they've won offhand. But I, they've lost to Purdue. They've lost to Kansas. They lost to North Carolina. Like, they, they, they pushed themselves in non-conference. They also played Illinois non-conference. They played Wisconsin non-conference, which both of those wins have aged very well. I, I, this is the so Tennessee is what they always are. They're always a really good defensive team. They're that again, but this is the probably the best offensive Tennessee team I've seen in a while. Dalton Connect is a real game changer for them. Uh, he's a, a Northern Colorado transfer, which it just sounds funny. Like a Northern Colorado guy is like the real game changer, but he's a guy who can go out and get you thirty something points. I, I mean, uh, he he put up almost forty against Florida. I, I mean, he, uh, I think he put up 30 in the loss on Tuesday. So this is a guy who's just, if you've got a chance to, if you've got a guy who can go up and put up 30 points uh, on, on any given night, that's, that's something Tennessee hasn't had in a long time. Uh, and, and Rick Barnes is a guy who I, I keep saying, man, one of these years, Rick Barnes is going to break through. He's too good of a coach to, to keep being like uh, an all man but i think i think this is a, a year where his this team could do something kentucky obviously calipari's got great players they also lost a home game this week to florida uh albeit in overtime and, and they've got a guy it, it, that now that game was without uh it, they, they they haven't been at full strength in a while like rob dillingham missed a game a little while ago reed shepherds missed a game uh so they're when they're at full strength I think they're going to be very good, but they're also a team that's counting on a lot of freshmen. You know, this is kind of the old school one and done type Kentucky team. Besides uh, Antonio Reeves and Trey Mitchell, it's a bunch of kids. It's Reed Shepard, Rob Dillingham, uh, DJ Wagner. They're all the babies. Justin Edwards is getting a lot of starts. So, like, these are guys who are freshmen that are they're going to get better as the season goes on. I talked about Kansas, how they'll probably fade. I think this Kentucky team is a team that I, I could see them winning a the championship because I think as the season gets deep, these guys are going to have gelled. They're going to be used to playing together, and they're going to be a problem. Yeah, I, I you know what I really enjoy getting a chance to talk a little college basketball with you. I haven't that, so now that now that football is down to one game, and um, we'll get to that because uh, I, I have an admission to make over uh, over that. But first, I got to tell you about my good friends at Piper's Plumbing. Uh, fantastic company. Everybody needs a plumber, right? And it's going to happen at some point. You want a good one, and that's what you're going to get with Piper's Plumbing. Uh, Joseph and his crew, they're fantastic. 832-632-2583, and he listens to the show. So, uh, you know, if and and I always tell you guys, if you can't remember the numbers or anything like that, you can always DM me or email me and say, hey, who's that plumber you were talking about? Piper's Plumbing. And uh, they'll they'll do whatever you need. I mean, if uh, it could be your water heater, you're, you're always going to need one, right? Drain clog or blockage, faucets, garbage disposal, whatever, they will do it for you. Piper's Plumbing, 832-632-2583. All right, so uh, we will start with uh, the Ravens-Chiefs game, which, uh, all right, I was 100% wrong about that game. Not, we were 100 wrong about well, that game. It's all I, yeah, right. I, I was. I was gonna, you know, maybe take the take the hit for it, but uh, the reality is, the one thing we did say is if Evil Lamar showed up, yeah, they would lose that game. And it was, I mean, some of the decisions he made, man. That somebody was asking earlier about triple coverage in the end zone when you got a field goal, and then once you do stuff like that, then you have the weird things happen, right? Like Flowers fumbling the ball, 
Yeah. And it's like, and when you don't get those points and suddenly you're just, then you start forcing the ball and, um, it was just a poor effort and it was, uh, it was playoff Lamar. It wasn't what I was expecting. And I, I, I took a little bit of a bath on that. Yeah. Same. Um, it, and it wasn't like, I mean, what I, what I expected out of the Ravens defense was it's what they gave me. Like, uh, if you told me that for 17 points, I would have, I would have felt so good about the Ravens winning this game. Um, and their offense just showed. And this is one of the things where Lamar Jackson's kind of gotten past um, for a lot of his career as like as a you know playoff budget. Like yeah. that was Lamar. That was Lamar because of Lamar Jackson. There's no like, there's no you know sugarcoating it. He stunk in that game, and uh, the the interception he threw late. You know, and, and you know, I, I get it. You, you're throwing your helmet and stuff, but whose fault is that? You you threw into triple coverage to your backup tight end. Yeah, like just like that. Why? It's like a zero percent chance of completing that pass. I, I don't. I can't think of another top tier quarterback, and that includes Josh Allen, who's very willy nilly with the ball at times. But usually, when he throws interceptions, it's him, like trying to do too much, trying to go way down the field. It's almost never throwing into to like to covered guys. It's always like he puts up 50-50 balls. That wasn't a 50-50 ball. That was like you said, it was about a 5% chance that Isaiah likely was going to catch that ball and about a 70% chance that someone on the other team caught it. So I, I it was just a baffling, baffling decision. And you know, the, the stigma is going to stick with him because the, it, if this is the MVP of the league and a two-time MVP now at that, and he continues to play like this playoff games, it's it's really hard to continue to be like, oh, yeah, Lamar's an elite quarterback in the NFL. I, I, I asked Twitter, uh, you know, a couple maybe an hour before the show. I just kind of wanted to see what everybody's list was. I said, if the league started over tomorrow – and you don't know who your coach is going to be or what what kind of you know receivers or running backs or anything you're going to have. All you're asked to do is pick your quarterback, don't your contract, but do consider age. Like who's your top five? And Mahomes was a consensus number one. It's, it's not close. Josh Allen and and Joe Burrow are basically on everybody's list. Yeah. And and then Lamar is that dude now who's kind of like it's like. Uh, do I want Lamar or Justin Herbert? Do I want Lamar or CJ Stroud? Do right. I want Lamar or Jalen Hurts? Like, there's three guys that are consensus on almost every list, and then everything else is kind of like, and Lamar's in that group, and that's the MVP of the league. Is like, oh, maybe he's a top five quarterback. I'm not sure, but that's that's weird. Uh, it's also it's also notable that basically everybody who sent a list. Mahomes was the only guy on the list that has a Super Bowl ring. So it's like everybody else is like, you know, we always talk about rings matter, rings matter, but he's the only one who's got one that anybody thinks of as a top five quarterback going forward. I mean, like obviously Aaron Rodgers and Matt Stafford, if you, if you're counting age, those dudes are on the decline. You could make an argument. They could be in the top five of guys. Like if you said get for one year, I hear it. But uh, yeah, it's funny that all these guys who are the future of the league, Mahomes is the only one who's done anything with it yet. And, you know, if you ask me now, like if you'd asked me before that playoff game, is Lamar going to win a Super Bowl? I, I would have said, I would have laid probably minus 300, yes. 
And now I don't know that I'd even lay a minus. Like I, I it might, I might yeah. be plus money. Like it, that, that was just such a disheartening performance to me. And his team is so good. Like all the, the players around him are so good right now. We saw Lamar do this early in his career without any good wide receivers, without a good running game. Uh, I, I mean, that you had the best defense in the league. Like you, you had good receivers. You, like you, you had all everything was working in your favor. And you didn't get the job done. I, it's hard for me to blame anyone. And listen, the Ravens, they, they lose Mike McDonald. This is a big deal to the Ravens, in my opinion. Like, yeah. I don't know if the Ravens' defense is going to be what it was last year going forward. So this may have been the best chance for Lamar. And that, that's uh, that, I'm surprised to be saying that, you know, given what I thought going into last week's game. But that was a – his stock went way down in my mind. Yeah, I, I never try to – put too much on one game but i think this is now we've seen the pattern and you know a lot of the guys on twitch uh, lamar is just dak without the national hatred lamar equals james harden uh lamar equals clayton kershaw uh and you know i think uh i i think the thing that really got to me watching that game was how he would uh well, first, some of the play calling early where they're trying to go to the sidelines where the Chiefs had it really well defended. Uh, but then he's dropping back and he's standing back there for way too long trying to let players get open downfield. And that turns into, you know, that's part of the mental aspect of, of choking because he'd get back there and he'd wait and he'd wait and he'd wait and he'd, you know, they'd hit him or he'd throw the ball into traffic or he'd throw it five yards away from him and just wasn't able to make plays. And he needed to make quicker decisions with his feet instead of standing back there so long. Well, and here's another thing he did during that game. It was in the first quarter. He took off on a run and he got caught from behind. And the truth is, if, you know, three, four years ago, you wouldn't have caught Lamar Jackson from behind. And I'm starting to wonder if like Lamar Jackson physically is not the same player he was when he came into the league. And that's a real problem because like, Lamar Jackson is never going to be an elite passer, but his his uh, speed, his you know, his physical gifts were so great that it was going to cover up a lot of stuff. If he becomes like you, you lose just a step of being elite, elite, and you don't have the other skills, it's hard to be really good. And I, like if Lamar Jackson doesn't have that. If he if he's not the fastest player on the field anymore, which in that game it didn't look like he was, and I thought going into the game he would be, like the idea that linebackers were catching him from behind that just didn't happen five years ago. So that worries me about Lamar going forward too. Is like if Lamar's not a superhero uh, in that aspect of the game, then what's what's his ceiling? You know what I mean? Well, I I, I wonder because I've noticed that off and on all year, but. I don't know if he's if he's lost a step or if he's just gotten tentative running the football, uh, because a lot of it looked like that too. And maybe he is tentative because he has lost a step. I mean, yeah. it's possible that both are true, but yeah, he just did not look like uh, a guy who could uh, uh, who would be able to lead his team to a Super Bowl. And I'll I'll, I'll give you a comp for him because I, I still don't think he's done. But it took Peyton Manning a long time to figure it out too. And sure. Maybe maybe the light comes on for him, and. You know, but I, I think this year with Monken's offense, I mean, I mean this was the year. And yeah. It really was. Well, I mean, look, j just think about it. This was like the worst Chiefs team we've seen in five years. Um, it, it, j 
Joe Burrow w- was out for most of the season. Like everything that that you could say was going like could have gone their way went their way, and they they didn't make it happen. Like it would say it, it's it's got to be very frustrating that this was probably their best chance to win the AFC, and they they didn't get the job done as as big favorites. They didn't yeah. get the job done. Yeah, and uh, I think moving forward, it, things have to fall right. And we, we it talk just gets about tougher, the, man. Yeah, we talk about the uh, um, when the Patriots would win in years like this where they weren't as good. And so I was see, seeing a lot of, uh, of are the Chiefs the new Patriots because, you know, things have just kind of fallen their way this year too, uh, and, and they get it done. And there's something to be said for a team that knows how to win in these situations. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to – and we'll get to the next game now, but I'm not going to rule them out against the 49ers. I mean, they just – this isn't the best Chiefs team, but, you know, other than having to put up with, uh, uh, you know, Travis Swift's husband the whole time, I mean, they're still a good football team. Yeah. Uh, it, it, like, it, you, there's, uh, like I said, it's probably the worst Chiefs team in the last five years. That doesn't mean they're a bad team. They're still very, very good, obviously. They're in the Super Bowl. Uh, they just beat the Bills and the Ravens, who I, I mean, I think it was basically a consensus. Those were the two best teams in the AFC yeah. al- almost all season long. Um, and I, I, some things went their way, but I, I don't think either was like a, a phony win. I, I think they, they were the better team in both those games. So, yeah, they can certainly beat this 49ers team who, let's face it, in the playoffs has not – they haven't looked like the dominant force that they did most of the regular season. So – uh, listen, I, I've bet against Patrick Mahomes the last two weeks and just walked away with empty pockets. It's not, uh, it's not fun. Um, <laughs> I, I can't guarantee I won't do it again. Um, but it's certainly something that I'm, I'm, I'm a lot more cautious of. Like when there's, when there's Patrick Mahomes with a plus next to his number, it's like, Ooh, that's hard. To, that's hard to pass on. And it's definitely hard to go against. Yeah. I've, I've taken my blows two weeks in a row on that. And, uh, uh, so I don't I don't know where I'm going yet. A lot depends to me uh, as we transition into that game is uh, how healthy Debo Samuel is because to me he is the difference maker more so than McCaffrey, more so than anybody else on that team. He opens things up for McCaffrey and Kittle and guys like that. If he's 100 percent healthy, that offense is just a totally different thing. But well, who knows? He, he sure seemed healthy to me, and now he's got two weeks to to improve on that. Right. Um, like if, if you said, I mean, Debo on every every prop that was available. So I, I, to me, Debo was healthy. Uh, and, yeah, and I imagine yeah. he's going to be healthy for this game. It, it's to me, this game is a, a lot about I mean, Patrick Mahomes is a known commodity. We know what he can do. I know if, if the game is on the line, if there's if there's seen seconds left in the game. Trust me, I know from experience, Patrick Mahomes is not out. Um, and I wonder how Brock Purdy will perform in those situations. Like if Brock Purdy is is the dude, and let, let's get to that. The game. There's a there's a bunch of mistakes I think Dan Campbell made, and I, I mean I think Kyle Shanahan coached circles around him, which is shouldn't be a surprise, right? Um, but I, I think one of the big mistakes was when they could have when they could have gone up three scores going into the half, like or they could have gone up three touchdowns going into the half, like you're either aggressive or you're not. And I, I don't know what they wanted to be. I, like, it seemed like they were aggressive. Like sometimes it was smart and, and 
Sometimes it was like, what are you doing here? Why, why aren't you kicking a field goal here? Why, why don't you want to tie the game? And my thought was that when they could have tied the game with a field goal and they went for it, I hated that call for really this reason. You you were putting pressure on Brock Purdy. Yeah. Like you would, you would have said, Brock Purdy, you have to go win the game. There's a lot different feeling when you get the ball back and you're up three points with five minutes left. There's a, it, it's a different feeling than if you are tied with five minutes left and they're asking you to go down and win the football game. And I want, if I'm, if I'm playing against the 49ers, I want to put that pressure on Brock Purdy because not everybody's built for it. You know, obviously Lamar was not built for it um, in, in the playoffs anyway. Like there, there's some guys who like, I, I tr- Joe Burrow's another guy. Like I trust Joe Burrow. When they oh, yeah. if you say Joe Burrow, the game's tied, go get me a win. He's probably going to do it. Um, honestly, Josh Allen's done it against everybody except Patrick Mahomes. So, right. uh, it, like, I just don't know if Brock Purdy's got that. And I think that's the biggest question for the 49ers is does he have that? The Lions had a chance to make Brock Purdy go prove it. And they said, no, we're going to we're gonna go for it. And then they let Brock Purdy have the ball. And, well, you, you know, oh, we, yeah, we, we, we've talked about this for years. Coaches choke in big situations, too, as much as players do. And the reality is that Dan Campbell's aggression has paid off well for him. But listen, and everybody hates when I compare coaching to poker, but there's selective aggression. There's times to be aggressive, and there's times not to be. You have to read the table. You have to look at the situation. Even at the end of the game, when he runs the ball – and I mean, they, I think they that was the biggest mistake of all. Yeah, uh, he gave the game away there. He like I mean, he ended the game there. You had no chance at that point uh, when you didn't score. And this whole thing was well, I, we moved the ball downfield. I thought we could score. I'm like, you know, no, that that was the wrong thing to do. And he he did that in several instances. And again, when you get in these tight games, you get in these playoff games, those little things matter. Like like the Flowers fumble in the Ravens game, those things can turn an entire game. And I just think that the moment was a little bit too big and he made some decisions and not all of them were wrong. I mean, there were a few times that when he went for it where I thought that was the right thing to do. But, it, you know, we always talk about decisions, not outcomes. There's also other ones that you look at and say, whoa, 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 what, what are you thinking? And, you know, the 49ers didn't really – and you and I are probably – I mean, you and I have seen Brock Purdy since he was at Iowa State. Yeah, uh, and I mean, mostly if you're a Big Twelve fan, you've seen him play. Uh, otherwise, you know, put your hands down because you haven't seen him play in college. He was never a guy that you wanted to put the game in his hands. You were a guy who you knew you could trust when you had the lead, uh, because he would hand the ball off to Brees Hall 45 times. Yeah. Uh, or I can never remember that big receiver he had that you know you throw the ball to him. And I mean, he's he's taken a step forward. He's a better player than that now, but you still got to put it on him. I mean, that's don't give it, don't have your guys screw up, and give him that opportunity to have the lead. Make Brock Purdy go out and beat you. Yep, and, and the Lions didn't do it. I think the Chiefs have to do that if, if they're going to win. They have they have to do that. Yeah, and I think the Chiefs will. Yeah, but uh, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen either because. I, I do feel like that in Purdy's case, 
yeah, and again, that's why I keep going back to Debo. Debo opens up everything um, because, you know, he can throw the ball to him five yards, he turns it into 20. And then, the, you know, then they have to start, they rotate over and McCaffrey gets gaps in the line. And the, the, the thing I keep going back to is when the 49ers went through their crap stretch, no Debo, no Trent Williams. Yeah. And those guys are so important to what they do. And, and look, McCaffrey's great. I'm not in any way saying he's not an MVP candidate, frankly. But Debo's the one. It's just like when Tariq Hill left Kansas City. Tariq Hill opened up everything for everybody. That's why the offense hasn't been as explosive. I think Debo does that for the 49ers. And, you know, he's a guy that Brock can throw a 50-50 ball, and he's going to get it. Yeah, and, it, it, like, it, it, he's he unlocks everything from the for the run game, too. Right, he's, exactly. He's such a dangerous guy as a runner. Like, yeah, it, it, you can't focus on one thing. And – You've got you, the the biggest issue that you the teams have defending the 49ers is that th their best running back is a receiver also, and their best receiver is also a running back. So yeah. they can just line up in formations that confuse defenses. To be quite honest, like you you have to make a decision, you have to decide, and if you guess wrong on a 50-50, you're going to get smoked because both of those guys are just so explosive. Um, and yeah, it, that I, I think you're right. Debo being there is key. I mean, obviously, I think if Christian McCaffrey were gone, it'd be a nightmare for them too. They've just been lucky. Yeah. That Christian McCaffrey's been super healthy, knock on wood, since he's been there, uh, which is the craziest thing ever. You tell me, as soon as the 49ers trade everything for this dude, suddenly he becomes the picture of health. Yeah. Who saw that coming? Because like the big knock on it was, why would you give up so much for him? He never stays healthy. He's never. All he's done has been on the field. So. Um, yeah, I think that you're right that he's key, he's key to what they do, and I, I mean you saw it last week. The he was he was key again, and the offense slow start, but man, when when they get humming, this this offense is so dangerous because they they've just got so many ways to beat you. Um, and you know Brandon Ayuk taking the top off things, it, it, and they they hardly used George Kittle. I think George Kittle had two catches last week. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's another – he'll be a problem for the Chiefs. Uh, th that's a guy that, that, you know, the Chiefs who are, are dealing with a lot of injuries at safety, they're going to have a problem with him. And I, especially when you look at everything else that, that the – like the Ravens essentially had – you know, they had Mark Andrews. They had uh, – you know, they've, they've got Flowers. Everybody else is Beckham, – Beckham played a good game, but they don't have like – these game breakers and they didn't have a game breaker certainly out of the backfield now you're trying to deal with two of those it's yeah. just a confusing thing man it, it, you got to make guys think and uh spagnola is a really good defensive coach I, i'm sure he's going to have something drawn up uh, he's not going to get embarrassed but the niners are going to the niners are gonna make you work for it man this is a, a it's a fascinating matchup whatever whatever you think of it I, I, i'm excited for it. it it's not the matchup i'd hoped for yeah uh, mostly because i wanted someone other than the chiefs there i i uh, as someone who had a, a Bills future and I had a Ravens future, I would have liked to see one of those two there. Um, but I, I think that it makes for a really interesting game. Seeing uh, Andy Reid, who let, – let's remember this too, Fred. Before Andy Reid won in Kansas City, Andy Reid was considered a playoff choker. Yeah. And he's shaken that. And now, you know, because of what he's done in Kansas City, he's a surefire Hall of Famer and, you know, probably like – going to end up being on most people's all-time top 10 lists of, of NFL yeah. head coaches. Um, Kyle Shanahan right now has a label as a playoff choker. Whether that's fair or not, I, I think is debatable. 
Um, guys had a lot of success in the playoffs. And I, I'm of the belief – RJ said this on, on the Dream Pod last night. I pushed back on him because he said, "Who's what team right now is, is considered the biggest chokers, the Cowboys, the Ravens, or the Niners? And I said, hey, you can't put the Niners in that conversation. No, not at all. The, the Niners – keep in mind, whatever you think of Kyle Shanahan, he has taken Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy to a Super Bowl. Yeah. Like, that. there ain't a lot of coaches out there who can do that. Like, we're all like, oh, Andy Reid's so great. Well, yeah, Andy Reid's great, but probably a lot to do with Patrick Mahomes. Bill Belichick's so great. Well, yeah, he's got Tom Brady. It Like, being a great coach is super easy when you have one of those dudes at quarterback – now, I think you can knock coaches who have those dudes at quarterback and can't get the job done, like McDermott. Like, if you've got Josh Allen, you should have figured it out by now. Like, it's, you got you got to make that next step. You need to hurry up and figure it out because if you don't, it's on you. It's not – Josh Allen's still Josh Allen. He's a dude. If you're not if you're not getting it done, it's on you. I, like, Kyle, no one can say, like, Kyle Shanahan's a, a failure because he took Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy – who on most most teams in the NFL, let's face it, would be backup quarterbacks. Like Brock Purdy is built to be a backup quarterback. I, I think Brock Purdy's really great in Kyle's system. If Brock Purdy were on the Chiefs, I mean, or, or on the Bills, like if you swapped out Brock Purdy and, and Josh Allen, the Bills would be dog shit. Yeah. Like, they, they, they wouldn't even be a playoff team because Brock Purdy isn't the dude to like carry the load. But Brock Purdy does his job, man. Brock Purdy, he runs Kyle's system to a T. And that's the most important thing to Kyle. Like, is I, he wants a guy who who does it his way, who isn't going to make the big mistake. And that's what he's got in Brock Purdy. And I know people are trying to pick him apart, but to, to for Kyle Shanahan to have this dude in the Super Bowl in his second year, like, it's, it's a miracle. And I don't know how many coaches could have done it. Like, everybody gives credit to, to Bill Belichick for, for – like this guy's way less than what Tom Brady was expected to be. Yeah. So I, I I give Kyle a lot of credit, and this is a real chance for him to kind of shake that stigma too. So I find myself I haven't made a, a, an official bet on the like the side or the total for this game yet. I've played a couple props, but I I will say I feel like I'm internally kind of rooting for the 49ers. A, yeah, me too. I'm tired of Mahomes winning everything. It's the same reason I started rooting against the Patriots. It's like, it's just, I get tired of seeing it. I don't want to win every year. It sucks. Um, it sucks that the team that, that knocks my team out of the playoffs every year always wins a Super Bowl. That's not fun for me. So I want to see Patrick Mahomes lose. But I, I think it, it would be, I, it'd be nice to see Kyle get over that hump, break that stigma, uh, and really establish himself as one of the, not, not just a great play caller, but a great head coach. I think everybody believes Kyle Shanahan is probably the best offensive mind in football. But um, I, I think there are people who question him as a head coach, as a decision maker. And a lot of it falls back to what happened in Atlanta when he wasn't the final decision maker. Um, but I, I, and I, listen, I shit on him for that when it happened. I, I'm not trying to sugarcoat anything with it. He, he deserves some of the, the criticism he's gotten. But I would like to see him get over that hump. But look, you know what? Let's also not forget he turned Matt Ryan, who was a slightly above average quarterback his entire career, into an MVP. Yep. And was responsible for them getting there. So I mean, the, the whole choking thing. I love RJ, but uh, you could tell him from me that that's total bullshit. Well, and also think about this: 
what's Jimmy Garoppolo been since he left the 49ers? Like Jimmy Garoppolo was like the, the, the Raiders said, yeah, you just go over there. You don't have a helmet anymore. Like yeah. it's, it's Sit down. That's, that's the reality. Like he wasn't that good. And he took that guy to a Super Bowl. It's unbelievable. All right. Well, we'll, we'll talk a lot more about it next week, but uh, I, I mean, I, I I'm probably going to be rooting for the 49ers. Just not just for Shanahan, but uh, I'm so sick of, and listen, I, I love Patrick Mahomes, but his damn wife slash girlfriend plus, <laughs> you know, plus Kelsey's husband. I'm just sick of it, man. I'm just sick of it. I don't. And, and you know, you know how many times, I mean, we'll have to bet on this. Obviously, there'll be a prop. How many times they show Taylor Swift in the damn booth? Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a prop bet, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I uh, just want to shout out Bear Brother here. Uh On West Timer, we have Rogelio, we have BC, what up? we have my good friend David who's here, oh, uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, got a few folks here, and then so Saturday, uh, the Friends of the Phoenix are doing a fried rice contest at uh, West Alabama Ice House. I am a celebrity judge. I don't know how I got to be a celebrity. What the hell? A former but, celebrity? Yeah, I, I, I used to be a celebrity. Uh, although I used to be famous. But I'll tell you this, AJ, I keep running into places where I meet people and they're like, God, I miss you and AJ. You guys were awesome. And I'm like, yeah, you can catch us every Thursday now. And the numbers have been going up steadily because people are, you have been sending them the podcast stuff. Now, a lot of them listen later because they, they prefer the audio so they don't have to look at our faces. But, uh, uh, but yeah, man, there's still people here who uh, really miss the show. And, and I, I think what we're building with this has been pretty freaking cool. And... Uh, and you know, I and I actually ran into a guy who said he hadn't heard of us before we started doing the podcast, and he was asking me how he could go back and get all that stuff. And I'm like, uh, well, I don't think they have it, so uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's any podcast left of any of our stuff from the Blitz days. Uh, I know Aaron has some stuff uh, saved, I'm, and I'm sure John does too. I'm I'm not sure what happened to it. most of it's probably lost to the ether, which is disappointing, but it is what it is. Um, well, we know the pepper spray. I, I, I'm still like, out there. <laughs> that's true. That is like, Lamont is honestly. I, I don't know if Lamont's listening today, but he is like a, uh, a a historian with this stuff. Like he's got so much stuff recorded that like I, it, it blows my mind sometimes. Some of the shit he pulls out. So I, I have a funny story though. A guy came up, and every once in a while, people come out to Vegas and watch us do the Dream Pod. Yeah, and uh, a guy came from Houston. And he'd never heard of me before I went to pregame. He, he like, <laughs> I guess he, he just did not a big sports radio guy. Uh, Cause he was like, yeah, I, I mostly only care about sports for sports betting. And I was like, how did you not find my show? Like <laughs> we were all, that's, we talked about sports betting all the time on the blitz. And, uh, but it's funny to, to think about, you know, that there's guys that I was in that city where, you know, we were doing that show for, I don't even know how many years, you no, know, 12 years, something like that. About, about 12 years. Yeah. And, and there were people who just never heard it. it pretty, pretty wild, man. Well, I mean, there were a lot of people who did, though. I mean, because we had a really good run, and that is true. And uh, and I'll just say, uh, you know, I, I, I've said this before. I'll say it again. If there were ever a chance for us to do that show again, and I don't care where it is, uh, even in Dubai or you know Alaska, I'd do it. I don't go. I don't go to the Middle East. 
I, I, I probably to... shouldn't. You know, oh, you I probably have... get treated like a king there, man. You're, you're I know, but you know, me. I've I've got those lists of countries. Like we've gone over this before. Like that, I'm just like, no, I, you guys have fun there. Uh, I'll pass. You know what? You know what people used to always tell me when I'd say that they'd be like, oh, you get, you could you should go to Israel, <laughs> and I would say, I'm not going to Israel. Do you know where Israel's at? And then they're like, oh, Israel's perfectly safe. Oh, really? Look who was right all this time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Nobody, oh, nobody wanted to listen to me. Yeah, Israel's a hard pass for me for a lot of reasons, but yeah, yeah. But but you know, hey, if we if we go to we go to Dubai, I'll be Farid Al Sakur. It'll be the blitz <laughs> with AJ Hoffman and Farid Al Sakur. Can't It'll wait! Can't wait! Can I uh, before before we end it? Can I give the people a, a prop that I'd like to get out there before it moves? Yeah, well, I want to I want you to give them a prop, remind them what you're doing with the podcast, and if there's any uh, MMA coming up that you want to hit, just whatever, take it. Yeah. So um, you, uh, Monday through Friday, I'm doing a show called Straight Out of Vegas AM. Wherever you get your your podcast, uh, please subscribe, give a, a five star rating if you like what you hear. It helps me out quite a bit. Give, give a review. Um, and that's Monday through Friday morning. Like, so when you wake up, it's there. We, we release at 5 a.m. Eastern time. So it, it's when you when you guys get up, it'll be in your uh, your pod feed. And then obviously we do the uh, the dream preview, RJ Bell's dream preview, where I do uh, college basketball pods. We do NBA pods. We do um, NFL, obviously, is what we do most in college football when it's season. Um, and uh, when I do an MMA pod now for every pay-per-view, so – uh, you know, just what doing that, and obviously, you can go to pregame.com to get all my uh, my premium stuff there. Uh, I will throw out a prop though for the Super Bowl. I think these props are moving super fast, man. But you can right now get uh, the longest kick return is lined at 27 and a half yards. I like the under. And here's why. I don't think there's going to be many kicks returned. I have family over here. This sounds silly because you you don't think of it that way. But this is the highest elevation Super Bowl that's ever going to be played or has ever been played. Um, The highest elevation before was Tempe, Arizona, 1,100 feet above sea level. Right. Vegas is over 2,000 feet above sea level. Like the kicks here on average go about three yards further than kickers kick away from here. So I think it, it, like teams are less and less, less and less apt to take the ball out anyway now because you start the twenty-five yard line. Why not just take it at the twenty-five? Right? Why make a big mistake on special teams? Nobody wants to do that anymore. So teams just generally take the the touchback. So I think if I think there's going to be less the, the that total set at three and a half. It's heavily used to under three and a half. Like you have to pay minus three hundred on under three and a half. But I just like the under twenty-seven and a half because. I think if we're only looking at really two, maybe three tops kick returns, the idea that one of them is going to be over 20, 28 yards seems unlikely to me, especially given Ray Ray McLeod's not a good kick returner. He hasn't been all season long. Uh, Richie James has been one of the worst kick returners in the league. For Kansas City. These teams won't play back. So I'm going to play that under 27 and a half yards uh, for the, the long or the short or the longest kick return being under that 27 and a half yards. That is some next level shit, man. I, I got to tell you, I mean, I mean, you were always a great handicapper, but I, I think being out there in Vegas is really taking your game next level, man. I mean, it's the legal weed, Fred. That's what it is. <laughs> well, it's it's decriminalized here, so you know, I, I, it, but it hasn't helped me any. Except my hockey plays are still pretty good, but there you uh, go. Uh, so before we before we uh, cut it off, 
any any new TV for you? Have you had any chance? I've been watching uh, True Detective. Is it any good? Yeah, it's pretty solid. It's kind of, at first I thought it's a little bit weird because there's like some um, some paranormal to it, but so far I like it. Like uh, you know, I'm not crazy about Jodie Foster in general. Oh no. Um, but she's okay in it, uh, and, and yeah, like the 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 writing's really good, the acting's been good, so uh, yeah, I've I've dug it so far. I finished up Reacher, and now I'm on the uh, I'm on this uh, True Detective. Although I hate that it's not out all at once, it drives yeah, me crazy. Yeah, uh, and so uh, BC, who's here, put me on Masters of the Air. And okay. I, I watched the first three episodes. It, it moved really slow for me. It's like I'm not a fan of the way Tom Hanks does things. It's all uh, it's all very maudlin, and, and, and I've seen every World War II thing there is to see. And this is about B, uh, you know, it's about B-17s, which I love. Uh, but by the end of the third episode, I started getting into it a little bit. Uh, and of course, it's the same thing. Now I got to wait a week, yeah, but, uh, uh, which I hate. But uh, uh, yeah, I thought I thought season two of Reacher was the best Reacher of all the movies, and season one, I just I freaking love that. I thought it was so good. And I also watched the Royal Rumble, Fred. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. And apparently it changed up because Brock Lesnar likes to pee on people and Vince McMahon takes shits on people's heads. But, oh, okay. uh, yeah, a bunch of terrible things happened. But, I, I, you know, I always like to watch the Royal Rumble. I don't really care to watch wrestling uh, regularly. But I do like that match where they throw people over the ropes. That is always fun for me. So I watched that as well. Oh well, there you go. The, yeah, no, Dusty, other... Dusty Rhodes kid won. He's the champion, or he uh, he's gonna be the he's gonna wrestle for the championship apparently. No, oh, well, good for him. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I watched was that Zorro on uh, Amazon. Don't don't bother. Okay. Uh, I, I got through the whole season somehow because there was this one hot chick that I just liked seeing, but otherwise, not good. I don't like Zorro. Well, I don't like the character of... Zorro. Yeah, I mean he's he's kind of like gay Batman. Yeah, you know? I don't need that. Uh, I don't, I don't yeah. like that. No, nobody needs that in their lives. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, all right. So that's gonna wrap it up. AJ, always a pleasure, brother. Thank you so much. This has been a very uh, entertaining show, and I didn't fall down and get another concussion, which is good. Congrats, man. Uh, maybe maybe because I was just sitting here. But uh, anyway, <laughs> want to thank everybody for tuning in. You guys are the best. Uh, I want to thank everybody who showed up out here today. And if you're in Houston, uh, come to Kirby Ice House uh, Saturday. Um, I'll be there about three. And then I'll, I'm just going to be, you know, I've done a good job of not being fat. But boy, judging a fried rice con contest? Oh. Let's I'm go. A, I'll, I'll put on 50 pounds in one day. Can't wait. Good for All you, right. man. AJ, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you this week, man. Thanks a lot. Uh, much love, and uh, that is going to wrap it up for today's Falcon cast. And uh, until Monday, I have no idea who the guests will be Monday yet, but until then, uh, stay sportsy, Gulf Coast badasses.